Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com, movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about 1993's Last Action Hero. So naturally I'm joined by the big gun, Rob DiCristino. Uh, sorry, no, Patrick. Uh, this is the famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Hello, <laughs> hello, everyone. Hi, Rob. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Hi, listen. We're still, we're still going. <laughs> we're still every single week. We're still going. Here we go. Uh, the world's still turning. <laughs> people don't realize how difficult it could be to uh, to do a podcast every single hey. week. Everything was supposed to be better in 2021, and it's it's mostly the same. <laughs> it is very much the same, uh, with no, one major, I guess, distinction. But I don't want to, yeah, get into that. Uh, but I've been watching that Q show on HBO about QAnon, and they show How is that it's okay. I mean, it's interesting, but it just makes you feel a, a certain kind of PTSD from the last four years. Yeah, yeah, I I did that. I I was uh I, I was at work uh and uh was had a day without students and I was cleaning my classroom and I thought to myself, I'm gonna catch up on some John Oliver. You know, it's been it's been a little while. It's been about it's you know six months. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since I've since I've really watched his pieces regularly. So I'm gonna go ahead and just like I don't know binge like three hours of John Oliver while I clean desks. And I was like, at the end of those three hours really really upset and really really <laughs> yeah. and, and i sort of sat there and i thought to myself what did i think was gonna happen <laughs> was i gonna suddenly feel joy like right. no you 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 binge those 25 minute last week tonight pieces you know about the injustices of our society and you're just like ah shit yeah but we're yeah. gonna fix it it'll be fine so i don't recommend the uh, q show if that's how you're feeling about watching john oliver yeah I don't think so. Not right now. Maybe no. maybe in a couple of years. Like I, I, that's why like I couldn't watch the uh, what was the the neon coronavirus documentary from last year. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, totally under control. Is totally it? under control. Yeah. I couldn't watch it because it. I mean, I watched it and I, it was fine. But like, <laughs> I couldn't watch it. I, mean, I watched it. <laughs> I watched it. Obviously, I watched it. I watched the Snyder cut. I can watch a lot of things. Um, the uh, the the recency of it, oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Like it's yeah, one of those yeah. things where you're watching it and you're like, I lived through that history. Yeah. I, I we were we just did this. <laughs> it almost it's feels really like weird. that movie came out too soon because it really only covered like the first couple weeks. It feels like of the outbreak, and there's more documentaries to be made with larger perspective. Not that I want to watch those documentaries. I don't. Nope. I'm living it. Nope. I'm good. <laughs> all good with reality yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's enough for me uh, uh but speaking of all these things we don't want to watch rob have you have you have you watched anything good lately i've watched and read a number of things and i'm going to talk about both of them so uh, i watched the I watched the big punching movie i watched gorilla punches dinosaur or, or whatever john called it last week yeah um liked it I think a little less than a lot of people, but I ended up rewatching it and really enjoyed the punching bits a lot more. Um, okay. I think I texted you when I was texted you when I was watching, and I was thinking to myself like, I don't always know what I want from these. You know, I don't think it's the movie's fault that I didn't enjoy it very much. Um, but the second time I watched it, I liked it. I liked the punching. I liked uh, I liked Kong as a main character um, uh, quite a bit. Um, the reason I bring this up is because that sent me down a little bit of a Godzilla rabbit hole. 
realized that I had only ever seen the original, uh, the original night. I mean, I've seen like the American, you know, series and the the Matthew Broderick film and all that. But um, so the of good the, ones. Of the, so the good ones, yeah, yeah. The, the the classic canon. Um, <laughs> no, of the of the original run, I'd only seen uh, the original 1954 Godzilla, yeah. um, and 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 not in some time. I think maybe whenever it was added to Criterion, uh, I don't know how. I don't, I don't remember how long Criterion's had that one, but um, that was whenever when I watched it. But what I really uh, wanted to do was go back and you know rewatch all of the 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 uh it's what is it the toho no it's not the, it's the, the showa the, era the show the showa era oh, showa era era right because it's named after the eras of era, era of the emperors of japan the eras eras in which the movies came out um so anyway long story short is i watched the original godzilla in 1954 again um that movie's brilliant i know i'm not really saying anything new with that <laughs> Um, I really love the the first because that's the perf. You know, you know how I am. I love when the monster is a metaphor, and I right. love I love the the balance of the performances. Um, Takashi Shimura, who has the longest face in Japanese cinema. I mean, I just <laughs> I you know who who of course was part of Kurosawa's stock company. Um, the lead in my favorite Kurosawa film, Akiru, um, is just a wonderful actor playing the sort of you know <laughs> like forlorn scientist and. You know, um, obviously you've got a great young cast in there and all this moral ambiguity. And, and I don't want to go too much into it because obviously it's a classic. And I know a lot of people enjoy it, but um, I really, really loved my rewatch of that. And it's such an overwhelmingly sad movie. <laughs> like it's such a like it's such a somber, you know, when you when you really get through it. And there's the there's really only just the one scene of destruction. And most of the rest of it is a lot of, you know, it's a lot of people talking in rooms it's a very 50s sci-fi monster kind of movie but but in that way that has a lot of integrity and um uh really you know, just you know it, it did end up actually sending me down a whole hiroshima nagasaki rabbit hole on the on the internet because i was reading a lot about that obviously um or, excuse me i was thinking a lot about that obviously after watching um the first godzilla but um i really really love that love that one a lot um that took me to godzilla raids again 1955 I didn't like that one as much. No, it's not as good. Um, it's it's Godzilla with the boring parts cut out. Right. Um, it's it's eighty one, I think, minutes, uh, and it's just basically just a you know a lot of action. Um, Shimura's back for one scene, and uh, you know you can you can definitely see the the the, the corporate thinking there is well we got to get another Godzilla out as soon as possible, more shooting, more smashing, another monster. Um, so I didn't I didn't love Godzilla Raids again quite as much. Uh, just wasn't quite as what is quite as much my thing. Um, you said you said you didn't enjoy that one as much. No, it's it, because it has the aesthetics of the original like 1954 Gojira, but it ha- it takes away all of the kind of like interesting thematic stuff, and so right. it weirdly doesn't work. If I'm gonna watch just a monster fight movie, a big goofy monster movie, I'd rather watch you know some of the later Showa era. Uh, era. Uh, thank you. Um, movies where you know uh, it's colorful and silly, whereas I don't think Godzilla Raids again quite qualifies as either of those. It's certainly not colorful, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't describe it as being silly either. Um, no, 
I don't know. I don't know what I want from these movies. <laughs> like, I don't know what I want. I, uh, that's, that's always been my problem. That's what I <laughs> well, said to you. I, I don't know what I want from but them. But I can watch these old Showa Godzilla movies and really love them. And then I watched Godzilla vs. Kong. And, like, while it was on, I was having a good enough time. And then as the week went by, I was getting, like, grouchier and grouchier when it came to thinking about it. But it makes no sense because it delivers on so many of the same levels as these Showa Godzilla films that I almost enjoy without qualification so i don't know why one works for me and one doesn't i'm wondering you know i've talked about this with a couple of people is is it just the the factor of the effects the guy in the suit is it really you know th- does it have to be an actor in a giant rubber suit versus the cgi noise like but i don't think i don't i i thought about that i thought maybe it loses a little bit of the kind of kitschy aesthetic or the kind of fun you know we're making a movie kind of thing with its cgi but i don't i don't know if that's necessarily true because what stands out to me i mean i haven't seen all the movies you know the way you have but what's what stood out to me in the first two at least was not as much of the the quality of the effects but more just as we said sort of the the conflict the moral ambiguity the thematics and all that that's the kind of stuff that really stuck out to me maybe i think the newer ones kind of lean i think they tried a little too hard especially godzilla vs kong i think there's a little bit too much you know with the podcaster character and the conspiracy theorists and all that i wonder if they're maybe it's maybe it's that maybe they're coming at the science with with too much brain and not enough heart i honestly have no idea yeah i don't either because there's um, a lot of heart, I would say, in, in Godzilla vs. Kong, especially as it pertains to Kong yeah. himself, as you pointed out. Um, and again, just all the stuff about Hollow Earth and Mechagodzilla, and you can tell that Adam Wingard is a fan of these movies. Uh, so I appreciate that, but for whatever reason, it didn't. it doesn't work for me on the same level as something like Destroy All Monsters. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna um, I'm gonna try my best to get through. Um, I actually, so I have one more here. I I I went with the original Godzilla. I watched Godzilla Raids again, and then I needed a little bit of a break. I was like, I need, I'm gonna jump around eras eras a little bit. Um, and I wanted to watch Shin Godzilla, which I'd never seen. Um, that one apparently is not on HBO Max. Um, I guess the publish the publishing or the distribution is different because I guess Warner doesn't have the. Why does Warner have the other ones but not that one? I'm not really sure. Great question. I don't know. Um, I think that's a Sony title. But Is I, it? Okay. You can find the Blu-ray for pretty cheap, and I would honestly, if you're a fan of the 1954 Gojira, I, I honestly would suggest just blind buying the Blu-ray. Blind buying it? I'm okay. positive you will like it. All right. Well, I'm sold. I'll get it. But I wanted to I wanted to watch that one next because um, I wanted the, you know, I wanted um, the, the sort of Eastern, you know, interpretation of the character in right. the modern sense and all that. Right. I didn't necessarily want the American version of it, but, um, that, that wasn't, I had to rent it and I was like, well, I've got all these free ones here on HBO, not free, but you know, sure. free subscription. <laughs> I'm like, I should probably watch some of these before I spend money on a rental. So I ended up rewatching Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, from 2019, which apparently according to Letterboxd, I've seen. Um, <laughs> I love when that happens. <laughs> when I go to log a movie and it's like, I'm rewatching this. What are you talking well, about? Like, I watched this movie already, <laughs> um, and honestly, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I, I uh, if you're going to insist that there be human stories, um, I, I like that that one at least made it integral to the plot, and and there was there's you know, uh, and and it had there's so many that and the 2014 Godzilla um, have the Ken Watanabe character, um, who is a I think a direct reference to uh, Sirizawa right from the original, yeah. 
Um, it's, I don't know if it's meant to be the same character or a descendant or whatever, but, um, and then the theme I noticed see after rewatching Godzilla 1954, I, I really appreciated this one cause I heard the theme song more and I, just more as I get into the series a little bit more seriously, uh, starting to pick up on a lot of those references, you know, it's, it's, and, um, so I didn't, I enjoyed that one. Okay. I thought, I thought that was, that one was all right. Where do you fall on that one? Didn't you, sh- I'm trying to remember what you said last show with, with, uh, JB. I liked it when I saw it. Um, because again, I can tell it was made by a Godzilla fan in my majority, yeah. but I don't remember what we said on the podcast. Cause we recorded a show shortly after seeing it. And I think I was like, I liked it, but, and I, I haven't revisited it since. So I don't know yeah. how I feel about it. I think that one's okay. I mean, when I, when I compare it, at least when I compare it to Godzilla vs Kong, when I, when I look at the way that the story integration, um, the characters, the the different plot lines. Um, I mean, because there are a couple plot lines in Godzilla: King of the Monsters, but it's really mostly about the family. It's mostly, um, um, you know, Vera Farmiga's sort of scientific struggle mixed with um, uh, Millie Bobby Brown and her sort of independent struggle, and then uh, Friday Night Lights dad guy. What's his name? <laughs> Kyle Chandler, who I almost called right. Ron Livingston. Ron Livingston, I always think he's Ron Livingston, yeah. Um, his sort of, you know, and it's sort of the fallout from the first film and all that. I enjoyed the the the, the monsters. Um, I enjoyed that they they pick and choose the, the fight scenes. But I also had moments where I was like kind of dozing in and out of it. And um, But again, it goes back to this thing where I just don't know what I want from these. I, I can enjoy them quite fine. And I'm just like, I don't know what, whose fault this is if I don't, if I'm not engaged with this. So it's certainly no, you know, I mean, keep making them, sure. But. I don't know. I, what I want to do is really just keep going through. Um, do you suggest that I go through chronologically? Because I, I texted JB and I said, "Do I have to? Like, do I have to go through no. these?" Chrono-? He said, "Not really." He said, no. you, "He said you can skip around however yes. you want." Yeah, um, I think you should just pick and choose what you feel like watching. Okay, so it doesn't have to be. There's no like continuity in terms of. I don't think so. Somebody may totally disagree with with me. Somebody who's better versed in these movies than I am, but. Uh... I think you're okay jumping around. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. So I will. I will continue. I might do like this. You said because you like destroy all monsters. Right? You said that one's. I like that one. What are your yeah. What are your like What are your favorites? Oh gosh. Um. I don't know. We just saw. We just took the kids to see Mothra versus Godzilla. That I and I ended up really liking that. Um. I just watched Godzilla versus Hidora, and I actually really liked that. That's a crazy one, or it's also known as Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And I think that one's on HBO Max. Smaug. The Smaug Monster, voiced by Benedict sm- Cumberbatch. The Smaug Monster. <laughs> remember um, when? All right. Well, remember when there was a whole movie devoted to finding Smaug, and then he was dispatched <laughs> off screen before the credits of the next movie. You be be careful, buddy. Don't you? you there are people out there are legion about those Hobbit movies. <laughs> are they? Be careful. Those comment section might blow up a little bit. There are I am people who love those movies. To be fair, I saw them all once in the theater. Then that's exactly where I'm at, and I kind of had to drag yeah. myself to see the second two. And I have, I will admit been itching to rewatch them lately uh, because I did buy the extended cuts on Blu-ray because I had a real turnaround. Honestly, the first time I saw Fellowship of the Ring, I was like, that was okay. And then it wasn't until I saw the extended cut at home that I was like, oh my gosh, I love this movie. And then was all in on the other two theatrically. Um, So it's possible for me to have a turnaround on the Hobbit series. I don't know. 
Well, you just reminded me that one of the very first things I did when quarantine started uh, 30 years ago um, <laughs> was I bought the Lord of the Rings box, the extended edition Blu-ray box set and sat and watched them all over the course of like two days. Wow, that feels like forever ago. It Good was. Lord. It was forever ago. <laughs> when you just said Godzilla boring. King of the Monsters came out in 2019, I thought that's not yeah. possible. That was last that's year. <laughs> oh, wait. We lost a year. No, we, we lost an entire year. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, I will. So I will bounce happily through some Godzilla. I will order Shin Godzilla. Um, I haven't looked it up or yet. Or just rent but, it if you um, said it's available for rental. You could do just, that too. I, I could rent it too. Yeah, but um, I don't know if I'm going to spend six dollars. I'll might as well spend ten. Um, I also uh, so uh, in terms of individual things I watched, um, that's more or less it. But I did want to jump in real quick um, with the uh, uh, Duel of the Fates screenplay. Patrick, did you get around to reading the uh, leaked, uh, aka uh, put out on purpose, uh, <laughs> Colin, Colin Trevorrow, Derek Connolly, Star Wars Episode Nine script? Did you did you get around to reading that? You know, weirdly enough, I didn't. Is it is it that as wasn't much top as of I'm a list? junkie for anything Trevorrow does? <laughs> <laughs> anything my man ct puts out i'm there uh i still haven't so, seen what was that movie he made about the kid oh, oh shit shit hold on <laughs> let's race 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 i've race. never seen it but i Colin, listened to uh, an entire uh, podcast about it because i was fascinated by it and it sounds like an even crazier movie than i could have guessed it's called nope it's called somebody is shouting it, shouting it right now. Oh, for us. sure. Uh, it's called the Book of Henry. Oh, Book of Henry. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, yes, I also heard that that movie was insane. But anyway, I uh, so I went digging through some uh, unmade screenplays earlier because uh, well, this will come up later. But I read the original Zach Penn Last Action Hero script, and I have Ooh, notes. Interesting. Um. But I went ahead and read the leaked uh, episode nine script because, uh, you know, I'm a big Star Wars guy. I loved Last Jedi and I was incredibly disappointed with The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> it's a movie I, I really, really hate. Um, gave it basically wrote a mixed review of it because I was like, I OK, I guess. Sure. And <laughs> have only grown to hate it every subsequent time I've watched it. Yeah. Um, uh, Duel of the Fates is a very different movie. Uh, it is a very, very. It is. It is more of a sequel to the Last Jedi. Uh, it is That's not good. particular. It is not. Yes, it is not a particularly energizing or inspiring film. Um, I, there are not big. Well, there are maybe a couple big Star Wars moments. Uh, spoilers for a movie that doesn't exist. Um, uh, Chewbacca flies an X-wing at one point, which I thought was pretty cool. Okay. Um, there's a very cool uh, uh, General Hux has a very, very awesome uh, death that I won't spoil in case anybody wants to grab the script and read it. Um, but it is much more thematically connected to the other two movies. It is much, much more about uh, the characters. Um, it is much more it, it's kind of it's 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 got the uh, Snyder cut thing where. Uh, you know how Cyborg isn't a character at all in the yeah. first cut of Justice yeah. League? Um, it's got that with Rose, <laughs> where Rose Rose in this script, uh, who, of course, was basically cut out entirely of uh, Rise of Skywalker, is much more of a character. She has much more to do. Um, she and Finn essentially go on a mission and 
uh, follow up on Finn's character arc by uh, uh, recruiting reformed uh, stormtroopers to the Rebel Alliance. Uh, it actually makes sense uh, in a way that connects to his character. Um, Luke, of course, haunts Kylo Ren uh, from the Force, uh, you know, distance from from the from the afterlife, and puts him through all kinds of psychological torture, as promised at the end of Episode Eight, and just ignored by Episode Nine. <laughs> uh, so overall, I won't go too much into it because I feel like anybody who's interested in reading it has probably already read it. Uh, it's out there; you can Google it. Um, it's it's very much a it's 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 certainly a first draft um a lot of the dialogue clearly is placeholder um but it is incredibly rewarding to read as a potential follow-up uh for um episode seven and eight as are released um there's no palpatine <laughs> there's no uh there's no there's no force dyad there's no friggin holocron non- i mean there's a holocron in it but it's not used in the way it's there's no knife it's 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 much much better <laughs> is there a wayfinder much better uh there is no wayfinder there's no knife that connects to a wayfinder that connects to a gotta find the that. thing to find uh, the thing yeah, there is no fetch questing. Yeah, there is there is not any of there is not any of that. Um, thankfully. So is this the first time um, in history that anybody's saying on record, "Hey, they should have made a Colin Trevorrow movie." <laughs> I don't know, Patrick. I I don't know what's happening in the world right now. I would have rather have seen Colin a Colin Trevorrow film than a J.J. Abrams film. I honestly, honestly, and there's little things in here that you can tell they kept. Um, the whole idea of the Force healing someone. Um, that's that's uh well i won't say it like that i'll say this the fact that you can physically transfer force energy between people is something that's in this draft although it's used way differently um and there's a couple other little beats in there that are that are they're kind of the same um leia does figure very heavily into the into the script so they would have obviously had to do some rewriting um but you could very easily have made leia's funeral the first scene and given almost all of her lines to poe um as is set up at the end of episode eight, you know, like they had it all right there and oh, they just boy. ignored it all. So whatever. Anyway. So they didn't make this movie because not because Carrie Fisher died, right? Was it because of the not reaction even, to last Jedi? I, it's all rumor and hearsay right now. Okay. I don't think anybody claiming to have the inside scoop really has it. Um, but I think this script came out for a reason <laughs> because there was some unrest about, the reasons why Disney did what they did. And yeah, maybe some of the negative reaction. Um, I, I, I don't know what else. And anybody who's, I'm sure anybody who wants to read it has already read it probably has their feelings about it probably is, you know, skipping over this part of the podcast. That's fine. Um, but I, I really, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading it quite a bit. Um, as opposed to the abject misery of watching the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I know Chris Terrio has been making the rounds lately in talking about the Snyder Cut and has referenced something, some stuff about Last Jedi and said, like, Palpatine was a studio mandate. Um, Rose got cut because of Carrie Fisher's dying. Right, because the whole thing was that all the stuff that they shot with Carrie Fisher had Rose in the scene, so they had to keep rose with carrie fisher which just makes no sense considering we can de-age michael douglas and right. invent and, and bring people back from the dead to star in movies it just doesn't make any sense so that's all bullshit um 
I don't know though. I, what I really liked about this movie more than anything else, which, which what I hoped for when I heard the title rise of Skywalker, which is that it follows up on the idea that Ray finds a third path that the dark side and the light side, both have their ups, both have their downs, both have their power and their weaknesses. And Ray finds a third path. Mm-hmm. She, she not to spoil, not to spoil anything, but for a movie that doesn't exist, but <laughs> she does, she does embrace anger and she embraces the light. She embraces both, you know, and she finds that sort of, you know, not Sith, not Jedi, that third path, which I always, I hoped would be the idea would be when that movie came out that it was, well, that's instead of a Jedi, this is the, called a Skywalker that if you're not, you know, you're not, a, you're not, you don't, you don't push the dark away. You don't push the light away. You embrace the whole thing. And that's that order that she starts is called the Skywalkers. Um, this script doesn't do that exactly. Um, although it does give her a real last name. Um, but, uh, it, uh, it, it does a lot more with characters and that's all I'll say. Cause we've been talking about this for too long. No, but, that's all right. Do Ray and Kylo Ren kiss in this one? Um, there's no, well, she does kiss somebody. It's not Kylo Ren. It's Chewbacca. No, um, uh, <laughs> I'm into it. No, they they play up. Uh, well, you can probably guess who it is. They 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 play up her her romance with a uh, roguish uh, figure, uh, dark, dusky man. Han Solo. Um, Han Solo. Yes, Han Solo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, no, no. It's uh, it's Poe. Obviously, it's, it's Poe. Um, yeah, they give each other a nice kiss. It's a nice little kiss. Yeah, this does um, sound like a better movie. It's a better movie. I mean, I you know, I, I, again, it, <laughs> I'm not saying I don't know what I want from Star Wars anymore either. You know, but it's a better movie. Um, well, that's okay, again Lance, part of why Last Jedi was so good because it gives you what you didn't know you wanted. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it gives you what you didn't realize you wanted. That whole movie is about life as a Star Wars fan. It's yeah. about what it means to be a Star Wars fan, reckoning with all the various levels of Star Wars. It, it makes the prequels make sense. That movie gave us so many gifts. <laughs> anyway, all right. So since I'm pissing a lot of people on the internet off right now, do it. I'm, do I'm it. I'm gonna go ahead. And- do one more thing for you here. It doesn't specifically have to do with movies I've seen, but uh, Patrick, I'm going to throw a Marvel ranking at you. How do you feel about that? I'm excited for this. All right. Ready? I'm going to give you my top five. I want you to tell me how you feel about this. I'm going right. to give you my top five Marvel movies. I'm into right? it. Ready? Because if anything, you know me, you know, I'm a provocateur. What I really like to do <laughs> yeah. is uh, have takes. You're I like very, to have um, takes on the Yeah. I like to put takes out there, you know. I really like to wrangle up the internet, get those mentions flying. You know me; that's how I am. <laughs> All right, number five: Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay. Ant-Man and the Wasp is my number five. Number four: Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Interesting. Okay. Number three: Captain America: The First Avenger. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. All right. For for two: Iron Man Three. Number one, okay. Avengers Endgame. All right. <laughs> Do with that what you will. I feel like my <laughs> rankings would be different uh, if only because I, I – <laughs> well, I, I, because in, in many cases you're naming – like Iron Man 3, not my favorite Iron Man movie. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I don't think is my favorite Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but I haven't rewatched. I like so many of the Marvel movies, I never feel like rewatching them. Um, 
which again goes to Godzilla versus Kong, where it's just like, I don't know what I want from these movies because I really enjoy them yep. when I watch them. I'm a comic book fan. I'm a superhero fan. I like these movies. I don't go back and revisit them for the most part. Um, so I haven't gone back and revisited the, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies or the Iron Man movies in many years. Um, I understand Endgame being your number one. That makes sense to me. The others, I'm kind of... Like, Ant-Man vs. the Wasp, I like better than Ant-Man, so that I get. But, like, yep. I feel like I would put Winter Soldier above the first Avenger. I feel like I would put Iron Man above Iron Man 3. But this is me. These are your rankings. How did you arrive at these yep. rankings? So I did something very similar where I took, you know, what I liked about them. By, by the way, my 10, the next 10 include Iron Man 1, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, it includes most of those. But right. one of the reasons why I, I, I really went with which one sticks its landing uh, in terms of tone, which one um, has fewer hiccups, you know, like, like for example, like Thor Ragnarok, I know everyone loves Thor Ragnarok. I don't like Thor Ragnarok as much as a lot of people do because I think the Kate Blanchett stuff is completely boring. It's completely disconnected from the rest of the movie. I think the first 20 minutes of Thor Ragnarok are really hard to get through with all the Dr. Strange stuff and all the table setting. I think once it gets on the trash planet with Jeff Goldblum, it's golden. Um, I think that movie has to do a lot of heavy lifting to get there and not all of it works. Ant-Man and the Wasp, the reason why that's my number five is because that movie plugs right in and goes. And even though it's not my favorite Marvel story, it's not my favorite, like, Ant-Man's not my favorite character. I like that it knows exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It delivers exactly what it sets out to deliver. Mm -hmm. Um, So same with Guardians 2. Um, I like the story of a family working together rather than the story of the family coming together. Um, I really like the bickering. I love the rocket arc in that movie. Um, Iron Man 3, I just love as, uh, as Tony Stark's post-traumatic stress disorder workshop i just think that movie like it works obviously it's a shane black movie so it's going to be on my list um captain america the first avenger is the one i've added last i I rewatched that movie twice uh recently um really really undervalued that uh um because obviously the answer is always winter soldier yeah winter soldier is the best one it's a 70s you know political thriller but Captain America, the first Avenger is a Joe Johnson movie and it's so earnest yeah, um, and, and it's so incredibly tonally consistent. Um, uh, Haley Atwell just rules. She <laughs> it's does. Got, it's got so many moments of like, like just the stuff like the, the Stanley Tucci scene uh, scenes, plural um, the, the moment with the flagpole. Um, it's got, it's bullshit at the end. It's got that marvel kind of let's fight <laughs> in an airplane thing, but, yeah. but that's also my strike against winter soldier. When my strike against winter soldier is all the helicarrier stuff is completely, you know, uh, uh, tonally inconsistent with the rest of the movie. So I, I, I rank that one a little higher just because again, rankings are nonsense. None of this makes any <laughs> sense. There's no reason for you to be listening to any of this or for me to have done any of this or to have brought it up. But I wanted to throw it out there. I appreciate it. Um, and Endgame is just like I think Endgame is is I I, I can I still don't think we're gonna appreciate what Endgame does in, for another couple of years because we're, we've got so much Marvel fatigue right now we've yeah. got so much we're just like we're tired of it but the way that it sticks the land it sticks fifteen different landings. Um, that's a movie that I put on as background noise all the time because you can tune in and tune out of it. You know what I mean? If I want to watch the Thor scene, you know, if I can, and then I can tune back and go into my writing or whatever I'm doing around the house then tune back in for the, you know, the hammer scene, you know, and it's like you can always kind of, there's so many parts to it that you can kind of tune in and out of. It's just such an easy watch. Um, 
so I, you know, so that's that's why I went with them, and I know they make no sense, but they're mine, so I'm not. <laughs> Is Captain America the only Marvel franchise without a bad movie? I guess with more than two movies, I should say, because there's not a bad Guardians movie without. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the whole list here. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I made that claim, by the way, without looking at anything. So yeah. I have no <laughs> well, idea that could very well not be true. Well, see, see, so when you say, so is it the only one without, without a bad movie? I mean, it really depends on, yeah, no, I, I think, I think it, I think it is because the popular consensus is that Iron Man 2 sucks, right? It's um, problematic. Pop- it's, it's got a lot of flaws, I think. I don't, I don't think it's an outright bad movie, but. Um, here's a question. Do you go Thor or Thor the Dark World if you had to watch one? I would go Thor. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Age of Ultron, I know, is, is generally not as, uh... It's got problems, again, like Iron Man 2, like <laughs> yeah, Thor yeah. the Dark World. It's, yeah. uh, it's I'm, flawed. I'm... Also, I don't know if you've heard Joss Whedon. <laughs> not, uh, not a great guy. Not yeah. A, yeah, not a real not nice a, dude. This guy. Um, I actually, uh... Uh, don't enjoy Spider-Man Far From Home that much. Um, no, think... that is another <laughs> one that's not great. <laughs> that movie is kind of a big mess. It um, is, in fact. So, yeah, I think it might be right. Captain America might be the only one that's got just... I mean, Civil War also, though, I... <laughs> it's not really a Captain America movie. Right, but, but I like Civil War. I, Civil War is okay. Yeah, yeah I understand. Um, I, I like a lot of these movies more than I give them credit for. I give I, I like a lot of these movies uh, in a different order, obviously, than people like them. Um, I still just can't believe that. I remember sitting in a theater watching the first Iron Man and going, I can't believe they're going to actually try to connect these movies. Yeah. I, I don't see how this is going to work. And yeah. then, of course... Now we're in a universe where everything is connected. I remember thinking, like, how are they going to try to make a movie about Thor? Nobody cares about Thor. Yeah, Thor sucks. Um, so, so listen. <laughs> so I, I, I mentioned this before. Since we're just like completely off the rails and we're taking way too long on this, so I've been reading. Uh, uh, so I went back and I started reading Marvel from the beginning of the Stanley era. 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 Um, on the uh, Marvel Unlimited app, and uh, I'm about five years in, and boy, Thor just—he takes forever to get going. <laughs> <He really does. laughs> because for the for those who don't know, the Thor, the, 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 it's the Donald Blake of it all. In, in the in the comics, Thor is a uh, uh, alter ego of a doctor right. uh, who tap taps his cane and becomes the god of thunder. Um, they of course cut out that and all uh, secret identities in the movies, which was super smart. Um, but no, I like Thor. I like Thor just fine. He just takes him forever to get going. I like Thor in the movies. I haven't read a lot yeah. of Thor comics. It third. I mean, I, again, I'm only I'm still in the 60s, so yeah. uh, I can tell you that there's not a lot of great Thor in the 60s. The only ones that really start out, in my opinion, uh, really cool and fully formed are Spider-Man, Daredevil, Fantastic Four, Doctor Strange. Um, okay. The rest, the rest of them kind of take a little while, in my opinion, take a little while to get going. Are you excited for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, directed by Sam fucking Raimi? I was going to say, directed by Sam fucking Raimi. You could, you could, you could give me The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh my god, I want to see that movie. Are you kidding? I would be totally in. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Raimi nailed the 60s Marvel with, with his Spider-Man, yeah. you know, at least the first two. I mean, I, I don't know. Spider-Man 3 is not... 
not terrible. I don't know. <laughs> it's not terrible. It has a lot of problems. It has a lot of problems. I went back and I've been I've been trying to rewatch some of those unappreciated sort of like I watched like Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, you know, like, and I'm just like, are these as bad as I thought they were? They are. Yeah, they might be. They're they're not great. Although I don't hate uh, the Affleck Daredevil. I don't hate the Affleck Daredevil either. I also don't love the Netflix Daredevil. <laughs> I couldn't even get through the second season and not even because I hated it. I just was like bored and stopped watching it. But I did watch the first season and thought it was OK. I yeah. thought the Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin was kind of interesting. Yeah. Have you been Very watching cool. Falcon and Winter Soldier? I have. I haven't seen this week's episode. Oh, um, it's good. Is it? All right, yeah. I'll check it out. Maybe I'll check it out when we're when we're done. I was way behind, and then me and Charlie sat and watched three in a row the other night and caught up on it. And nice. I, I like I like where it ends up. I uh, I I'm I gotta tell you I'm I'm impressed with the, the shows because I like it, and hopefully they keep it this way that they're they're mini series, right? We're not getting Wandavision right. season two, right? right? It's not they're limited series, you know and. The Loki trailer didn't blow me away, but, uh, you know. I haven't even watched it. I could care less about a show (laughs) centered around Loki. I'll watch it, but. Oh, I mean, you'll watch it, but. Yeah, yeah, no, they, uh, as, as, as it's, it's, it's Marvel, you know, Disney at this point is like Amazon, where I'm like, I know you're my enemy, but you keep giving me things that I want. (laughs) So. I know that Falcon and the Winter Soldier is not going to end up in the place where I want it to, which is with Falcon assuming the mantle of Captain America as was intended, but uh, I'm still holding out hope. It is cool the way that they really are fleshing out the whole, like the whole history of all the different captains, Captain's America uh, (laughs) uh, and fleshing out all that stuff. You know, that's one of the reasons why I really, I wanted to dive back into, into the comics. um, Yeah. Just cause it's, there's a ton of stuff in there. I just hadn't read. Yeah. Um, should I talk about what I've seen or should we just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, buddy. I didn't <laughs> mean to take this <laughs> I'm going to go very quickly. Uh, uh, saw a movie called Shiva baby. Have you seen Shiva baby yet? Oh, but I've heard a ton about it from Adam. Yeah. What it's super worth watching. Um, awesome. yeah, it started out as a short film. Hold on. I'm pulling up the name of the writer director because I don't know it off the top of my head. Emma Seligman. Um, wrote and directed a short film starring Rachel Sennett and adapted it into a feature film. It's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, I mean, the log line is like a girl goes to a Shiva where she runs into her sugar daddy. And that's basically what the movie is, but there's way more to it than that. Great performances, really funny observational stuff. It's like 70 minutes long. Um, not even 60, no 77 minutes long. Sorry. Um, can't ask for more than that. Highly recommended. Cool. This is uh, doesn't look like it's streaming anywhere, but it's available for rental on most correct services. Yeah, we rented cool. it off of Amazon. Um, okay. Also available for rent, not on Amazon. I think we had to rent this on iTunes. Was Sam and Maddie make a zombie movie, which is kind of exactly what you think in terms of the title it's about these two young men with down syndrome who want to write and direct a zombie movie and they enlist their brother and a large part of their rhode island town to help them make a zombie movie uh which is called oh shit um spring break massacre or something like that spring break zombie massacre something like that and the documentary 
uh, is probably a little too long, but that's because the first half of it is essentially a documentary about the making of the film. And then the second half, they just show the movie. So you get to see the finished product. And then they intercut it here and there with like, oh, and here's some behind the scenes footage for this day that we were shooting this. Or um, here's a little bit from the premiere of the movie that we held. Uh, I, Erica and I watched it together. We just smiled the whole time. It's incredibly sweet, incredibly charming. And again, highly recommend it. Nice. The way you describe it, it's got a little bit of a one cut of the dead feel. Yeah, sounds, absolutely. sounds very similar. Or yeah. um, I don't know if you ever saw Zombie Girl from years ago about Emily Hagen's making her zombie movie when she was like twelve. Got but, it. Okay. No, I didn't see that one. Uh, if you can track down a copy of that, I don't think that one's streaming anymore. But that one comes highly recommended too, and especially because Emily Hagen's has gone on to have an entire career making movies, which is very cool. Uh, and cool. then. Uh, there were like two more that I wanted to talk about. I will cut it down to just one. Sorry. And, no, that's fine because it's a movie. <laughs> it's a downer, uh, a movie that I probably shouldn't even talk about, but it's streaming on Amazon prime. For those of you who are interested in watching it, this is a, was a big pandemic movie last year. And that is unhinged starring Russell Crowe. Uh, and it was a big deal during the pandemic. Cause it was one of the first movies to come out in theaters and not go straight to VOD, and their marketing was very much built around, like, come see Unhinged, you pussy. Uh, <laughs> don't be afraid of that pandemic. Um, I expected... What did I expect? I expected, at worst, falling down. At best, joyride. And it's kind of neither. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's... It's a really mean-spirited movie with a much higher body count than I was anticipating. It's well-made enough. There's a couple of like stunts, uh, including one car stunt in particular, that had me go, holy shit. Um, but it's not a movie that I was especially interested in seeing. And uh, I can't say that it's a bad version of what it wants to be what it wants to be it's probably doing exactly that it's just i'm not super interested in what it wants to be it's a bold swing for like like i'm looking at the poster and the poster is just russell crowe behind the wheel of a car and it says he can happen to anyone russell crowe is unhinged and and i'm like yeah i know like i i know i know that <laughs> um i'm aware but uh I don't know. That's one of those like that's one of those Redbox movies where I, I like I look at it and I'm like, should I pull the trigger this oh, time? Oh, it's next a time? super Which... Redbox movie. Yeah, all right, I'm gonna go for it then. Yeah, but it's on um, Prime, so you don't even have to go to the Redbox. Oh, it's on Prime. Okay. Yeah. Damn. All right. Okay. But this is a movie right. that well, feels engineered by a Redbox. It's <laughs> directed by a Redbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I don't know. I I. Uh... I know there's a one day we're going to do some archaeology and figure out the really great stuff that came out during the pandemic, um, you know, kind of dig our way through the stuff that got lost in streaming and all that. And because I was like, you know, there's a couple of things in there. I that, that movie Greenland. I didn't hate that movie. Yeah, um, I still haven't seen it, but I know you spoke more highly of it, it than I expected. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's it's certainly, I mean, Ultra it's Butler certainly competent. Interesting. No, not really. <laughs> it's got a Scott Glenn cameo. Like, right. you know, why, 
Why Gerard not? Butler's first so, question is, is it going to be great, lad? And they say, <laughs> no, we promise it won't be. And he's like, then I'll sign on. I'll be in. I'll make it great. Um, Baker, I'll be in your uh, Donny film. I'll make your land green if that's what you want. That's why you hired me. Can I protect the president? Uh, no, the president, <laughs> not a character in this movie. I'll still do it. What if, what if, what if Gerard Butler played Snoke? <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be something. I feel the darkness in you, young bastard. Check out me your... red room. <laughs> Give in to your head, you pussy. I'm unhinged. <laughs> Speaking of unhinged. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm, of course, adding that to the list. Of course, I'm going to good, watch Unhinged. Good, good, good. Two movies that I'm I... like, yeah, these movies are really good. You should totally check them out. And the third one is kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm adding that one to the list. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Shiva Baby was already on my list because, as I said before, Adam Adam, sp- Adam sent me the trailer and was like, we need to watch this. And he said he watched it and said it was great. So, yeah. Um, Definitely, definitely gonna watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, should we? Uh, should we do it? Last action hero, baby. Do it. Um, I will let you start because this was again your baby. <laughs> uh, people know I've told my story about Last Action Hero, which is just in the summer of '93. I could not been I could not have been more excited about Last Action Hero, and I even mentally gave a warning to Jurassic Park where I was like, that's real cute Jurassic Park, but you got two weeks because last action hero is coming and it's going to blow you out of the water. And that prediction was incorrect. Uh, Last action hero did not blow Jurassic Park out of the water. Uh, But I was such an Arnold fan and so excited for this movie. I had the soundtrack. I was all about big gun by ACDC Not my favorite song on the soundtrack, of course, because at the time I was surfing that new wave. So I was like, what's that swim by Fishbone? Uh, (laughs) Because it was a lot of like cock rock, but then it had a Fishbone song. So I was like, all right, I'm into it. I'm into the Fishbone song. Anthrax, Queensryche, Alex in Chains, Aerosmith. Def Leppard. Oh, that Def Leppard song, by the way, is unlistenable. It plays during the credits, and I was like, who is this? I do not remember this song being on the credit or being on the soundtrack. Oh, this is Def Leppard doing their like pussy ballad, and I do not like it. Tesla. Oh my god, it it is all cock rock and a fishbone song. And and Cypress Hill. Oh, and Cypress. Oh, yeah, here it is. Okay. Cock the hammer, baby. Cock the hammer. Cock the hammer. hammer. Because the hammer is cocked. I don't know if those are the lyrics, but they probably are the lyrics to a Cypress Hill song. (laughs) Poison My Eyes by Anthrax. Angry Again. Big Gun. Cock the Hammer. Jack the Ripper. Last Action Hero. And then Alice in Chains is just a little bitter. Who performs Last Action Hero? Uh, Tesla. Okay. That plays over the yes. credits also. There's, I think, four, if not five songs over the end credits of this movie. Well, because, you know, there's that wall of CGI artists right. uh, that we really get through. Yeah. And then they de-aged uh, Tom Noonan. Tom so Noonan. there was a bunch. Of... Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I know that uh, your history with this is not as uh, comprehensive as my. How many how many times did you say you've seen Last Action Hero? Six. Six. Okay. Sure. I would say about not, six. Not going to tell you how many times I've seen it. Then. <laughs> I'm not um, dying to know now. <laughs> so, um, as I said before, uh, and written before, uh, Last Action Hero was was I mean the first movie I saw. I know there's other movies like this, but the the first movie I saw that was explicitly about loving movies. It was explicitly about a kid that loves movies, um, recognizes the tropes in movies, uh, and 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 is feels empowered by that. Obviously, I connected to that very much. Uh, so I have a ton, a ton, a ton of affection for Last Action Hero, knowing full well that it's not a great movie, knowing full well that it was a box office disaster, a financial embarrassment. Uh, there's all kinds of crazy marketing stories about this movie. Um, Famously, of course, uh, the uh, was it Sony paid or Columbia paid uh, about half a million dollars to have Schwarzenegger's face plastered on the size of the space shuttle uh, to advertise, um, which leads to that really great uh, gag in Nathan Rabin's uh, book, My Year of Flops, where he keeps joking about how the glistening metallic enormo cock will penetrate outer space to create <laughs> consumer awareness of Last Action Hero, <laughs> which I thought was a great line. Um, yeah, the part that makes me laugh in that is consumer awareness because that <laughs> great. Yeah, that's really awareness. where we're at now. You know, this movie kind of I think predicted a lot of what would eventually be wrong with Hollywood. And this is um, oh for sure. And this is a this is not a John Peters movie, right? But this movie is featured in uh, Hit and Run, correct? Sure. You've read? Have you read Hit and Run? I don't think I've read Hit and Run. Okay, okay, because I haven't yet been able to get my hands on a copy of it um, just because of prohibitive expensiveness or something like that. But Hit and Run is the book about John Peters um, basically bankrupting Columbia Pictures or Sony. I know I'm getting a lot of those details wrong, but um, a lot of it is uh, Peter Gruber, John Peters, and how they basically just – spent a lot of Sony's money and didn't get a lot out of it. Um, Peter uh, and John Peters, of course, famously uh, eccentric uh, film producer, Um, former hairdresser, but former uh, Barbara Streisand's uh, former Paramore too. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So uh, definitely a movie that is the result of big egos. Um, This is Schwarzenegger's, I think first film in which he gets an executive producer credit. Um, I was, this time I was watching the movie and I was thinking a lot of Hudson Hawk, uh, because we talked a little. Remember? Do you remember when we we caught the excitement? Uh, that, that time? I, I I remember coming down with a case of the excitement. Yeah, <laughs> but I couldn't trace it? it back to where I caught it. And now, now that you mention it, yeah, no, it was definitely from watching Hudson Hawk. Yeah, we swung we swung in, we caught the excitement, um, and very much like you know in our discussion of Hudson Hawk, um, which you should definitely listen to. Um, <laughs> is uh very much bruce willis sort of at his sort of creative peak of creative control this is very much schwarzenegger swinging his dick for you know basically the first time you know really in terms of because now he's had his action success he's had some crossover he did twins and kindergarten cop he just did t2 so this is him really being like okay look i'm in charge this is how it's going to be um famously sort of uh, and most of this i'm getting is is from my year of flops by nathan rabin um a lot of it is some of the other stuff is just I, uh, IMDB or internet trivia it might be apocryphal, but, um, 
you know, famously sort of demanded that the action figures not come with guns because he wanted to appeal to the kids in the audience because after Kindergarten Cop, he now has a kid following and, um, you know, all kinds of, of, of cameos in this movie. You know, you've got the Robert Patrick cameo, the Sharon Stone cameo, uh, Little Richard, John claude Van Damme, MC, MC Hammer. <laughs> Uh, Jim Belushi. Belushi has the Belush has the line of the movie. You've got Devito as a, wait. Which is it? The line about uh, I'm not an Arnold fan, but he turns her on, and I want to be there when it happens. <laughs> I want to be there when it happens. Belushi yeah. gets one of the bigger laughs of the movie. <laughs> he does. Yep. Yeah. Um, Devito's in there as the voice of the cat, right? Uh, calling in a favor, I guess, from twins. I don't know, but you, you've got, and then of course you've got F. Murray Abraham, which of of course will do at some point. You know, Ian McKellen plays death in this movie. Like, there's just a lot of stuff. Um, you know, <laughs> it's exhausting. There's a lot of stuff in here, and it, this is clearly a big old corporate product. This is clearly, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen. When you when you really watch this movie and you and you look at what it, you know what it could be, what it is. Um, you know, you look at the Shane Black of it all, you look at this, you know, so, so the movie starts as a spec script from Zach Penn, uh, and, uh, Adam Leff, uh, um, Zach Penn of course goes on to write like the X-Men movies and he does the first, uh, draft of the Avengers. Although that ends More up getting, thrown he out. directs X-Men dark Phoenix. He directed that movie. I'm almost positive. I believe you, but I see that's one of those movies that I forgot existed. Um, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, because I remember because he did X. He he wrote X two, right? Yeah, he um, was very involved in a lot of the. Okay, still one of my favorite theater moments, by the way, at the end of X two when the. the oh I the... oh 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 I fucked up. Simon Kinberg directed Dark Phoenix. My apologies. Uh, uh, okay, all right, all right. Sorry, internet. Uh, sorry, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Everybody, calm down. Everybody, calm down. They haven't um, even finished commenting on your Marvel ranking, and here I am, yeah, fucking oh, really? the They're director still, of X Men: Dark still, Phoenix. Still trying to figure out how to call me a cuck. Uh, so it, <laughs> uh, I loved uh, that moment at the end of X Two and it, what it promised, and then instead oh God, they gave so, us Rise like, of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, I stood. I remember I stood up in the theater when I saw the phoenix oh it's yeah. so exciting yeah. um anyway so uh the, the script is a spec um it's bought by sony it's rewritten by shane black at one point uh david arnett who did ford fairlane it's re- it's rewritten yeah, ford or polished. it's re it's polished uh by william goldman at one point and allegedly carrie fisher oh i hadn't heard carrie fisher I learned that today in doing some digging. Um, I don't know. Again, could be apocryphal. It's the internet. Um, but uh, that premature ejaculation joke makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I was like, that one sounds like Carrie. That one sounds like my girl because um, she loves ejaculation jokes. Anyway, we're going to move on. Um, so the Arnold of it all combined with the script of rewrites of it all combined with the corporate – 90s you know we're gonna make a big blockbuster and you know it's it's the movie is very much a messy disaster but i have so much affection for it because not just of you know some of the fun lines that really as a kid you know because i i knew this movie before i knew who shane black was so it was kind of like when i learned you know when i saw lethal weapon for the first time and i was like man that script okay okay and oh he wrote oh oh okay i get it now you know i kind of put the pieces together um 
I have so much affection for the movie just because it is so much about being a movie lover. It's so much about, you know, I, I, you know, I was a Schwarzenegger fan at the time. Obviously, I'm a little younger than you, so I didn't have the direct uh, uh, sort of one to one when it came to the movie's release. But obviously, I grew up watching Terminator and uh, Terminator 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um you know, obviously have a lot of affection for Arnold and and for Arnold making fun of himself and all those, all the things that he's willing to do in this movie. Um, it is just, it's a, to me, it's a very interesting example of, uh, I don't even want to say, well, I'll say this. Some of the people involved have their heart in the right place. Some of the people involved have their egos in the wrong place. Some of the people involved are overthinking it. Some of the people involved are underthinking it. You know, like there's so many moving pieces to me in this movie and there's so many different questions. Um, and, uh, but, but I still, I mean, I could, I could put it on anytime. I really could. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I've seen this movie. I think I brought this up last time. I've seen this movie three times on the big screen because we saw Adam and I saw it at the drive-in. Yeah. yeah. We saw it at the uh, we saw it at the music box. Yeah, uh, I know I've seen it at some point. Was that in seventy well. millimeter? I don't think it was actually okay. in seventy. Millimeter. I don't think so. Was it advertised it as being in seventy millimeter? I think it might. It might have been advertised <laughs> as. I might be wrong about that, but I can't remember um, why. Yeah, I can't remember why else they were showing Last Action Hero. Yeah, it could have been. I may have not have been. Paying. All I remember is, uh, and Ash Bertogger tells a story because he was there too about the kids in front of us. The dick. He wrote a whole song about the dicks in front of us. These young, the tipsy young, hipsters. The tipsy hipsters. Yeah, yeah, great song. Check it out. Uh, Eric with an H. Um, <laughs> he uh, yeah, he wrote a song about that because they they really did mess with our enjoyment of that movie. Um. So yo, know, so yeah, so I so I again. Uh, I, I asked for those of you listening. I asked Patrick before the start. I said, "Is this going to be another one of those shows where I try to convince you that a movie is good uh, when you know damn well that it isn't?" Um, and I, I don't. I'm not really interested in that this time because I, I don't care. <laughs> um, as you said, this movie comes out about a week after Jurassic Park or two weeks after Jurassic Park, and of course falls into the. And what's really funny is reading. I think it's in Raven's book um, about how. Columbia really did not think about Jurassic Park being a threat because uh, Hook had underperformed, um, always had underperformed. So they're thinking like, yeah, right, Spielberg, right. he's on the way, he's on the way down. We should, we should pummel him, and maybe that's why they threw so much money into it. But I know Schwarzenegger says now that that of course that was incredible hubris, and um, he and McTiernan uh, both consider this kind of the biggest <laughs> kind of mistakes of their careers, uh, which when you consider John McTiernan, uh, his personal life, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> this whole movie is just hubris. The movie, um, yeah. McTiernan supposedly I reread, so I didn't reread the Nathan Raven chapter in my year of flops, but I did reread a chapter in a book called good scripts, bad scripts. That is not a great book, but it uses this movie as a case study in a bad script. Okay. Uh, and then another book called fiasco, that I really recommend about, you know, big flops. And uh, it gives a lot of just the background in terms of this movie, how much money they threw at it and how sort of cocky so many of them were. And McTiernan was one of the ones who was like the voice of, hey, guys, slow down. I don't think we've got this. Yeah. Um, and they told him, you know, shut up. We have to make the release date, basically. Because for as much as, you know, I think some of the action stuff works and especially the the heightened action um, is a lot of fun. I don't think McTiernan is the guy to make this movie. 
I think Shane Black's the guy to make this movie. Shane Black is the guy to make this movie. Yeah, probably. Edgar Wright is the guy to make this movie. Yes. (laughs) Either one of them could have made a much better version of this movie. Yeah. Uh, McTiernan, I don't think is quite the guy. And, and unfortunately, you know, you know, the, the Shane Blackness of it, a lot of it got sanded off in the William Goldman rewrite, but now you've read the original. Yes. Extremely violent version. Yes. And I say that Um, not because the movie was extremely violent, but because that was literally the title of the script at one point. Yes. Yes, the title, the the spec allegedly was original. Well, well, let's see. So the version of it that I'm reading, which again says first draft on it, could very well be any you know any number of drafts. Maybe it's the first working draft, but um, this one says the last action hero. But the title of the movie in the universe is called incredibly or extremely extremely violent. Um, so I imagine that yes, probably the first draft of the screenplay that was sold was probably called extremely violent, in which the uh, character's name is Arno Slater. Um, doesn't get much more on the nose than that. No. Um, yes, I've read. I read. So I read that draft this morning, um, and it is something. Um, <laughs> before I, well, let's go ahead. Do you want to? No, did, go ahead. I, I was teeing you up to talk about it. No, I've never yeah, read yeah, it. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. So, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Last Action Hero is a movie in which uh, a young kid named Danny Madigan, a lonely kid, working single mom, um, you know, lives in New York, uh, finds solace in movies. He has a a friend, a magical uh, projectionist slash theater owner who gives him a a magic golden ticket that Houdini uh, once gave to him as a child. And it opens up a world into the magic of the movies. And he gets to go into his favorite movie and he meet his favorite movie star and Jack Slater played by Arnold Schwarzenegger and has this whole father-son ward mentor relationship with him gets to go on an adventure gets to solve the case and gets to bring his his hero into the real world and show him you know all these wonderful things about the world all these wonderful things about you know real uh, reality his own invulnerability uh his 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 own limits of perspective when it comes to his job and all those things and uh, the possibility of romantic love that goes beyond you know superficial um the original <laughs> screenplay um, is a movie about a lonely kid who's sent into the movies by the devil uh, with a handgun, so that a Clint, <laughs> so that a Clint Eastwood, Chuck Bronson type character can teach him to take vengeance on his enemies. <laughs> it is completely fucking bonkers. Wow! It is literally the Robert Prosky character is. It's uh, I was when I was reading it, I was comparing, uh, you know, the, the, the old joke about um, Steven Spielberg making Jurassic Park and you read Jurassic Park and John Hammond's a total asshole. Right. And Spielberg Spielbergizes him and makes him into the friendly John Hammond. That's basically the same thing. Whereas the Robert Prosky character in the movie is this incredibly like friendly, avuncular, like wonder. He is in the script, literally the devil. There, there are literal allusions to him being the devil. He gives the kid a handgun and says, you must defend yourself. And in this version of the screenplay, it's not a magic ticket. It's a tear in the screen. And there's a tear in the screen, and he literally pushes the kid into the movie and says, you will wreak havoc and get vengeance against your enemies. And when you do so, your hate will feed my soul. I will suck power from your hatred. This is 
fascinating because you're I, I, all I can wonder then is like why why then did they spend around a half million dollars ultimately I think Zach Penn and who was the other guy David uh, Arnett Arnett ended he up did, getting paid uh, I... like three hundred fifty thousand or four hundred fifty thousand dollars for their script. So what was it that they saw in it? Just the idea of like, oh, a kid crossing over into an action movie. We love that idea. Probably, right. They were probably just paying for the concept. It's fast. It's a fascinating read because um, Danny Madigan at one point, it's not his name in the script. I can't remember what his name is now. But it literally, the movie ends with him murdering everyone with a grenade launcher. The movie <laughs> ends with, the movie end, ends with the, <laughs> I swear to you, Patrick, the movie ends <laughs> <laughs> the Arnold character. So, all right. So, so you know, your last action hero, right? And we we're like so far off the rails, but who cares? Um, <laughs> the la- the the last action hero cast is Arnold. It's the kid, Danny Madigan. It's the daughter, uh, play, played by Bridget um, Wilson. Wilson. So Wilson. Wilson. So Bridget Nielsen. Bridget Wilson. Um, and uh, there's the irascible police chief, right, and all that. Um, and there's uh, the the um, the Benedict character, um, played by uh, uh, Charles Dance. Um, in the script, it's uh, the girl is his wife. It's not it's not his daughter. Um, there's no Benedict character. There's this other sort of faceless uh, uh, antagonist and a pair of twins that are his sidekicks. Um, in the movie. Uh, the police chief and the wife both betray him and give him over to the bad guys. And the movie ends with 14 year old Danny, whatever, literally in the script described as dressed like Rambo with grenade launchers, pistols, handguns, and just murders people. He just blows people away. Um, the, the, the climax takes place actually in a where it's, it's actually in a sound stage or something like that in a movie studio, a, 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 a disused film studio. And, the, the the he rescues his his film hero literally like cursing screaming at the enemies and turning them into pulp uh, uh, with his weapons and it's only at the end of the film when he runs into a theater that sort of slowly morphs into his real life home theater and the projectionist character literally becomes a manifestation of the devil sets the theater on fire and begs to be murdered so that Danny can. Um, <laughs> Unleash his unleash the power of his vengeance. Um, yeah. Um, so n- uh, not a PG thirteen uh, film for kids. Um, it is uh, Danny is a bitter character. He's incredibly angry about his father's death. It's much more about grief. It's much more about um, and and the, the Schwarzenegger character again, who's called Arno Slater in the in the script, um, is not at all charismatic. There is no there are no jokes. There are no. He is a straightforward like. Eastwood, Bronson, like he is that kind of action here, which is like, I don't understand. Bad guy needs to get killed. Bad guy did bad things. We must murder him, right? And he eventually has to be convinced that murder is not the answer. By the murdering By child? Murdering child. Yeah, by the murdering child who eventually realizes because Satan challenges him, uh, literal Satan challenges him, um, that he should not be maybe killing. The movie sort of ends with, uh, again, spoilers for a movie that doesn't exist. Um, the movie ends with them both in the real world, sort of just uh, Slater and, and the kid both sort of going their separate ways. Um, and I guess as a cliffhanger, I'm not really sure. Maybe they thought they were going to make more, but uh, it is not a great read. Um, I mean, it's a fascinating read, but right. it is not. It, not a, it, it is so different. Um, and honestly, that made me appreciate the movie we got a lot more. Um, because at the very least, there are jokes. There are, you know, the movie, 
that we got is not a kid trying to convince an action hero not to kill people. It's a kid trying to convince the action hero that he's in a movie, right? It's trying to, it's him. It's trying to convince him that, Hey, there's a real world. And then they start to play, you know, play that against uh, their enemies. And they sort of, uh, sort of assimilate those strengths um, over the course of the film. And that of course is my, always been my big problem with the movie is that that we got is the third act is, is that the third act ending, the whole thing with the kid on the roof and the ripper, all that stuff is just that just shit need, that needs to go. That you 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 can't have, you can't have, Charles Dance set up a potential. Thank world. you. I was just about to say the thing where he says Which, like, I could get Dracula. Like then fucking get Dracula. That would be cool. He goes through a newspaper and he's circling like. We can get Hannibal Lecter. We can get Dracula. We can get Rosemary's Baby. We can do this. We can do that. And it's like, no, it's a guy with an axe on a roof. Like, right. no, that's well. Part it. of as me is sitting I... there saying, like, no, you can't get those things because Sony doesn't yeah. own those things. Right. So, so either the movie doesn't have the balls to do that, doesn't have the, you know, doesn't have the rights, doesn't have the money to do that, you know, whatever it is. Um, that stuff is just that's where the movie really, you know, really, really. I all I can think now for as much as I appreciate it when, when I was a kid for what it was, because I love the premiere scene. I love Schwarzenegger playing this sort of exaggerated version of himself where he's incredibly, you know, egotistical and he's talking about Planet Hollywood and all that. And I, I appreciated that, you know, um, now I just keep thinking, like, I cannot believe what, you know, Edgar Wright or Shane Black would have done with this movie. You know what I mean? In terms of using the tropes and playing with them. And and and, and I just um you, you just there's so much unserved potential here um, that I really, really <laughs> I, I have moments with this movie that I love unconditionally. And I have moments of this movie where I'm like, you're just like you're so close, just a little bit more. Well, it's fascinating to me because you're such a story and structure guy. And yeah. this movie <laughs> seems to just do whatever it wants every 10 minutes for whatever will serve these 10 minutes. Am I wrong about and, that? No, not at all. No, of course not. No, I, I again, I can defend the movie, you know, and and we all defend from emotional places sometimes. And and um, you know, you and I are both. This is this is another uh, one of our series on uh, underappreciated uh, flops. Yeah. Um, although in this case, maybe not as not as uh, equally appreciated. But um, I, 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 of course, of course, of course, I understand that this movie, <laughs> the story is not as tight as I'd usually like it. Characters are not as as developed as I'd usually like them to be. But when it, I think I'm just so overwhelmed by the the fourth wall breaking of it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I still appreciate so many of those moments. Just all the stuff with anything, any any of the any of the stuff that's you know the, the the moment where he gives him the he writes the word on the paper. We assume it's probably the f word, and he says say it, right. and he's like no. He's like, you can't say it because this movie is PG-13. Like when I was 10, that movie, that was like the best thing I'd ever seen in a movie. <laughs> okay. And then there's the thing about my my single favorite joke. And I know you're, the, the, the Belushi joke is better, but there's that exchange between uh, Slater and the police chief. And they're talking about their shared past. And, and uh, Danny says, oh, you know, you just don't want to admit how you feel about each other. You know, you're great friends. You love each other so much, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's, you know, where did you hear that? And he says something about Jack Slater one. And yeah. he says, he says, no, not Jack Slater one. He says, no, the first Jack Slater. And the cop goes, you told your dad. Just, <laughs> for some reason that gets me every time. Like, it's just one of those stupid things. And like, I love, you know, uh, the, the T2 poster joke. You know, I love the Mozart stuff. Like, you know, speaking of F. Murray Abraham, right, like, right. 
it's like Mozart, Mohu, Zart. The guy practice killed. Like just all that shit in there is just like the Seven Seal stuff, the stuff with Charles Dance. Uh, you know, I've killed a man. I've done it on purpose. You know that kind of thing. Um, there's so much of that sort of intertextual kind of like all that stuff. I, I can I can excuse a lot of sloppy plotting when it comes to just I'm just so overwhelmed by like I love the scenes, the action scenes when they're driving and, and he's you know, the shootouts with I think Al Long is in there too at one point, right? I believe so. He gets a, isn't he the guy who gets the ice cream cone through yeah, his head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's that whole shootout with the, just the traffic behind them just going out of control. And, you know, the fact that he comes out of the tar pits and he just dabs off his, you right, know, right. Uh, all those little things that now I think are so well known as tropes and so well known as sort of, you know, especially considering, you know, the Marvel Universe is so tongue in cheek about its action uh, that, you know, again you have to kind of understand the context of bruce willis to understand hudson hawk you kind of have to understand the context of early 90s schwarzenegger to really appreciate last action hero i think um or just in terms of the way the movies were made um but you know i definitely and and uh i wrote down a quote uh from rabin um you know, because he, of course, is is very much more in your camp where it's sort of just like, yeah, but this thing is such a mess. And um, he says uh, McTiernan never seems comfortable with the film's satirical elements. So he delivers what he imagines an audience would want a straightforward Schwarzenegger vehicle that's maybe 15 percent more knowing and self-referential than its stars usual blood splattered fare. And I would agree with that. You know, it's it's very much, you know, somebody did a pass and put all the jokes in. But other than that, it's very much a sloppy kind of Schwarzenegger actioner, you know. Um, but I, there's something, there's something about it that I, I just, I can't help but adore. Uh, he also says, Raven also says that black would have been the guy to make this, uh, and that kiss, kiss, bang, bang ends up being everything that this movie should have been. Um, I would throw the nice guys on top of that as well, although that wasn't made when he wrote the book. So, right. um, you know, definitely, definitely very much something that would have been up shame blacks alley. But when you consider, like we talk all the time about, you know, to, to, to be a satire or to be a parody, like the best satires are the things or, you know, the best sort of self-referential fourth wall breaking genre pieces are the ones that are the thing and also commenting right. on the thing. Right, right, right. Hot, uh, you know, Hot Fuzz is a great, you know, it's probably one of the, well, I think one of the best you know cop movies ever. You know, it's got a great mystery. It's got great action, but it's also very much about the genre, you know. Um, and when you look at it and you say to yourself, OK, well you've got you know the guy who will go on to write you know x-men and the avengers you've got shane black the lethal weapon guy you've got you know ford fairlane guy you've got william goldman you know butch cassidy you've got uh you know you've got john mctiernan it's like well this to me looks like a somebody opened a spreadsheet and was like who are the action people <laughs> who, who are the dialogue yeah. people yeah okay. oh and hire them you know that's um, kind of what it was. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. you know, it's it ends up being such a product. Yeah. And it should be. And I can't even like I find this movie totally watchable. I'm not here to be the guy saying it's a bad movie because I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a mess yeah. that I can easily watch. And honestly, for like half of it, at least half of it, I'm totally on board. I can't quite pinpoint where it is that for me it starts to fall apart. And even in 93, I sat there, I think I saw this movie. I think this was a divorce movie, so I think I saw it with my dad. And I couldn't figure out why it didn't work for me in the way that it should have, in the way that so many Schwarzenegger movies worked for me in the past. Um, it's right around Leo the Fart that it starts to fall apart for me. Yeah, yeah. 
It is. It, it's around the point where it gets plotty. None of this plot, by the way, in the original demon version of the movie. Um, <laughs> none of this. It's it's like a very, very sort of rote kind of, oh, there was a drug guy trying to do drug things. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's around this time, you know, like, as I said before, you know, to me, it's a lot of the stuff to do with the Ripper and all that. And the, the movie premiere and the third act after they come out of into the real world. Um there's a lot of lost potential there. So for me, it's, it really falls apart a little bit later, but yeah, I think it gets, I think I, I agree with you. It gets a little unwieldy, um, around that time. There's the, 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 the moment at Jack's house, there's that confrontation with the Charles dance character that sort of goes into the ET thing with the bike. And there's lots of little, you know, lots of, lots of sort of chaos in that scene. Um, and then everybody regroups and goes into the next, uh, the next act there. But yeah, I think there's a lot to, clean up there's a lot that doesn't necessarily work but is this but then again you know you have people talk about well this is more of like a vibe movie you know this is more of like a hangout movie this is more of like a you know you don't trace the plot as much as you just sort of experience it and blah 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 and i'm never a turn off your brain guy i I mean as you say i use my brain to have fun um so i'm never i'm never like "Eh, just enjoy it you know but i am definitely i think i'm you know just a little bit less critical of it just because of um it does so many things intermittently that i that i really enjoy um what, what do we think of austin o'brien i would not consider myself to generally be a fan like i've only seen him in a handful of things I, i've seen him in my girl 2 and i've seen him in pre-hysteria the full moon movie <laughs> um yeah because it's a full moon movie Which so I of love. course i've seen it did you love it when you yeah. were a kid Oh, I love that when I was a kid because that was what's so funny about that is, of course, it's about, you know, it's it's part of that dinosaur wave. Right. Right. Only and small because it's full the, moon. Right. But like his movie, got his last movie got buried by Jurassic Park. Well, and right. He goes and does the dinosaur movie. <laughs> right. The tiny dinosaur. But yeah, movie. I think I've only I've only seen him in those movies, too. I know he's done other things, but has he even I don't I am not even uh, looking at his uh, resume, uh, so I couldn't uh, tell you. Um, but. Uh, I I like him enough in this movie. Actually, weirdly, um, I think as a kid, I liked him in this movie less. And I would probably chalk that up to just jealousy. Like I just, oh yeah, he's done a lot of other stuff. Um, Including Lawnmower Man 2 beyond cyberspace. So obviously you're a fan. Right. Um, As a kid, I was probably jealous. I was probably just like, I should have been the kid in Last Action Hero, you know, because we all want to be the kid in Last Action Hero. Right, exactly. Why does he get to hang out with... Floppy 90 hairs douchebag. Why does he get to hang out with all my idols like Art Carney and Robert Prosky? (laughs) Um, But honestly, this viewing of the movie was probably the most I've ever liked him. Sure. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about him, but this was no, I feel I mean, like the fine. most yeah. I've ever liked him. Sure. I don't. Yeah. Feeling feelings about him one way or another. I mean, I obviously the, the big comparison is, you know, I, I think of Edward Furlong, like I would compare him with like, I'm like, OK, Schwarzenegger and a kid, which kid do I, you know, prefer? And obviously the Furlong performance in T2 is, you know, there's obviously the the voiceover issues and all that. So it's kind of it's almost kind of unfair. Um, I think Furlong is probably a better actor, but I certainly think that uh, he's serviceable as a as a as a as a lead in this movie. I like the stuff with him and his mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I like a lot of the horse stuff. I like a lot of the, which is which is funny now that I've read the other draft of it because you know he's upset obviously, but there's certainly not you know he's not he's not uh, a fiery vengeance uh, the way he is. It's more so it's more escapism. 
you know what I mean? It's more in this film. It's more about escape. It's not about uh, I need to learn how to be a killer from action heroes. Um, you know, the only thing that does make it into uh, the final movie from that script, basically the only thing in the original script is the Hamlet thing. Which is wholly unnecessary. Yep. I mean, it's and like the, and it's the not- funny-ish. And I like the setup because I think it's one of the in-jokes that works, the Joan Plowright stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, I guess she was married to Laurence Olivier. So having her in, set up, having her set up his Hamlet is kind of funny. And I like her stuff. I like her dialogue, which totally sounds like a Shane Black line. And maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a Zach Penn line um, where she says, you know, some of you may know Laurence Olivier she... for playing Zeus in Clash of the Titans. <laughs> That's that's from the script. It but is okay. The thing about the Pol- the Polaroid commercial is not in there. Okay. Yeah. There's also the not to be line is not in the original script either, which to me is the the joke of that scene. Yeah, absolutely. But you could have easily done away with all of that. You know, this. Um, sure. One of these books that I read that talks about the movie is is really interesting in terms of how it pinpoints you know like that as being valuable real estate that we've already established that he loves Jack Slater. So that's time that could have been better spent setting up something else about the character or him being attacked by the guy with the knife and being robbed. um, And then having to go to the police station is like, well, anybody would probably be afraid of a guy with a knife. So if you really want to set up this kid being lonely and picked on, um, well, why not have it be a bully his own age, you know, that he wants to, <laughs> that he looks up to Zack Slater, Zack Slater, Jack Slater, um, Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, he looks up to Zack Snyder. He and does. Zack Slater, of course, being the ultimate save by the bell hybrid. Um, <laughs> that he's looking in up to him script? as a way of standing up against a bully, you know, maybe not in Rambo gear, like murdering the yeah. bullies around him. What were you going to say about the original script? That That's, that's what it is in the original script. In the original script, it's a bully from school chases him to the movie theater and well, the art the carny character. Story. I mean, and that's right. fine. I'm totally fine with that. Cause it works in the never ending story for a reason. Uh, yeah. and probably should have been used here. Yeah. The art, the art carny character, uh, uh, comes out, beats the shit out of the kid with a cane and then gives Danny a gun and says, you need to learn how to defend yourself. The, it's amazing. Wow. Not. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Robert yeah. Prosky no, no, the character. Robert Pro- the Robert Prosky yeah. character, not the Arkady okay. character. Sorry, sorry. That's what I meant. Right. Robert Prosky, by the way, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Very nice. Just, oh, you know who rules? Uh, Robert Prosky in Thief, Robert by the way. Robert Prosky, too. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. He's Hell so yeah. great in Thief, I can't even take it. Um, yes, no, Mercedes Rule does rule. And it's like this movie, when I watch it, it's like they just, they overpaid. It's that John Hammond thing of like, spare no expense. I I couldn't think of the exact line, which is why there was such an awkward pause there. Cause I couldn't think of the exact (laughs) line and didn't want to fuck it up because you've already pissed off the internet enough in this episode. Um, Come at me, bros. Spare spare no expense. Hey man, the last rules. Because everyone, Atman Wasp does rule, by the way, and had the marketing not ruined every great beat in that movie, I feel like uh, we'd be talking about it even more. But like all the cool 
size stuff in that movie where he's like making stuff bigger and making stuff smaller was all ruined by the trailers. See, the thing about Ant-Man and the Wasp is they can make things small and then they can make them big. <laughs> exactly. Think about how useful that would be. Plus, <laughs> but as you read opinion. through the cast, you're just like, everyone is overqualified for the part that they have. Art Carney doesn't need to play Uncle Frank. And Mercedes right. Rule doesn't need to play the mom. And fucking Ian McKellen doesn't need to play death. And why is death <laughs> in this movie... Because the one time we're going to do this joke where, like, we're bringing a character from another movie to life, why is it a fucking Bergman movie? <laughs> like, gotta be, it's got to be a rights issue, right? Or a cheapness. cheapness I don't of rights. know. I mean, it's fine to do it, but it's not fine when it's the only time we do it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I do like, I do like the line where he's like, you know. Uh, he's not on any of my lists. So I, like I just, I just like Ian McKellen. No, I do too, and I'm fine with him yeah. playing Death, and I'm, I'm even fine with them bringing a Bergman movie to life, as long as it's one of many times they do that. My thing with this movie, and and I totally agree with you because it's the Back to the Future three problem, right? Right. Where it's like, okay, do this one thing, you have to do it for everything, right? Right. Um, in talking about this movie in the past and really trying to think about what it is for me that really falls flat near the end is I really would have, you know, when they come out of the movies, when they, when he and Benedict both go out into the real world, if they had found ways to really dive in, in a substantive way in some kind of actual face off between them, that's not just, I shoot the thing and it explodes and he dies a actual sort of not, not, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not Zach Penn. I don't think he should be murdering uh, Charles dance. Um, but I do think that there is a degree to which you could have taken, okay, I've learned everything about the movie world. Um, Slater, over the course of the middle part of the movie, is learning, like, oh, I have, like, infinite ammo, and I never get hurt, and I do this. And then he starts to learn that it's real, right? He punches the taxi window, and he's mm -hmm. like, wow, that hurt, right? Um, he gets shot, obviously, and it's, no, this is a real injury. You're, you know, you're in trouble, you know? If they had brought, I think, a little bit more of that out. Like if you're not going to do Hannibal Lecter and Dracula and all that, at least bring a little bit more of the conflict in and, and make it so that there had to be more creative ways for the two characters to navigate the real world without their sort of movie powers. I, I, I feel like at least that would have been a little bit more, maybe something a little bit more substantive. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I don't even know that I, I don't know that I'm on board with I almost called him Zack Slater again. Jack Slater's <laughs> arc. His Release entire, the Slater cut. His entire arc is just to figure out, to, to learn that he's a movie character? Yeah, I mean, then he, yeah, I mean. Why is that? Right. Uh, <laughs> That's very good. interesting. Yeah, implicate the implications for the end of the movie when he rides off into the sunset. And I mean, to me, um, and I think, I think I'm cribbing a little bit of Adam's wisdom here. So, uh, hi, Adam. Thank you for your wisdom. Um, it's about the fact that he's going to be in the movies for the kids who need him. The fact that he's going to be able to be a movie character and be inspirational, even though he's fictional, his job is to be the best version of himself he can be because there are kids that are watching. Which I'm okay with, but is that in the text? Um, well, I think, I mean, it's the, it's the part where he's, he's dying and he says something like, uh, I need you to believe. He says something to Danny about like, I need you to believe in me. Um, I need to go back to my world. Um, and the, even the, I can't remember who it is. The devil like, is the, waiting for me. 
Yeah, it might even be Ian, McC- Ian McKellen, actually, who does say something about, like, he needs to go back. Like, he needs to go back to where this is only a flesh. Oh, it's, it's the kid who says it. Uh, Danny says, you know, take him back to where this is just a flesh wound. Like, put him back in the movie because then he'll survive. He'll get his powers back. Um, and he does. See, now I got to go through the quotes and stuff like that. That's just that. a plot contrivance. That's not talking about the kids believing in him. No, 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 no. I understand that, but that part of it is. But, but he does. He says something at one point. One of the somebody is screaming it at us right now. But there is something Arnold says at some point. There's a line in there about like needing you to needing to you to believe in me because people like you believe in me. That's where I got my power from. Um, it's not. It's. It, I'm not gonna be able to find it. But, but it is okay. something. There is something like that in there. And maybe, and maybe I'm reading more into that than. No, then I just and, I missed the line this time. That's no, all. No, it's okay. And 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 also, it might not even be exactly that line. But uh, to me, that's what's always worked for me. The idea that he rides off into the sunset and he you know, pumps his fists and all that. And it's kind of like I've, I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm a movie character, um, which which I agree is not like the greatest of character arcs. In the <laughs> the like... Danny stuff with the dad, I get. But for the yeah. for Jack Slater, it just feels like, oh, I'm learning I'm not real. I don't know. Which honestly, cool, right? Like, if you knew you were a movie character, yeah, wanted, like, like to me, cool. I don't. Um, I don't even know that this movie should ever venture out into the real world. You know, like that's also possible. Yeah, the, doesn't happen the, in, the, in the murder script. <laughs> the the yeah. two Schwarzenegger stuff and the Planet Hollywood stuff, and I actually think Maria Shriver is really funny, and it just made me sad watching it this time because I was like, oh, yeah. Schwarzenegger. You just really fucked it up. Um, so I get the appeal of like wanting to do that, you know, but I just don't know that from a narrative perspective that it totally works or is necessary. I'm with you. No, I don't. I mean, like, again, I'm not certainly not arguing that it's the greatest, you know, it's the greatest. And it, maybe it does. I'm almost positive stick. that's precisely what you're arguing. <laughs> Look, Ant-Man of the Wasp is really good. Okay? Can we tell you about big and small? Because they get big and small in the movie. Um, <laughs> Evangeline Lily. I have three words. I have three words for you. They are Evangeline Lily. Um, uh, hey, uh, you know, you know what? Sure, you're right. Uh, you know what's great though, Bridget Wilson. You know who's great, Bridget Wilson. Uh, Sonya Blade herself. Is that a Mortal Kombat thing? That's a Mortal Kombat thing. Okay. <laughs> I remember her being in the movie, and I know that people really like this thing called Mortal Kombat. I'm just, yep. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not familiar Please. with it, so I don't. So, yep. Also, the Charles Dance role was first offered to Alan Rickman, William Atherton, and Timothy Dalton, allegedly. Yeah. Timothy, I, Timothy Dalton in that role would have been cool. Sure. I mean, but it's it's, it's hot fuzz, you know, and like Alan Rickman, it's putting a hat on top of a hat. So Charles Dance makes sense. Yeah, sure. I love Charles Dance. Yeah. And he's good in the movie. You know, he's not what's wrong with any of that yeah. stuff. But uh, and I mean, even a- even Bridget Wilson, just completely underused. And that daughter yeah. character is introduced and then more or less <laughs> forgotten. She drops at one point. She drops off clothes to her dad and then disappears from the movie. Yeah, you know. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Even that scene no. where he talks about uh, her or about his ex-wife and how he pays somebody, you know, to be on the other end of him playing that recording. Like none of that stuff. 
works to to present Jack Slater as kind of a sad sack. Um, and that's one of the where I imagine because in the original scripts you can you can see the punch up you know as you say you can see the different color script pages where it's like they hired somebody to come in and punch up the like the slater relationship stuff right go, you know go in right in this script he's kind of this just like he's just this sort of dirty harry like you know he kind of just kills and his wife hates him and eventually turns on him in the end and maybe you could add a few more layers to that meanwhile you know william goldman is over here doing something different and shane black's working on the jokes and you know definitely definitely too many too many too many cooks and that's this whole movie you know um and it ends up unfortunately i think coming out in the finished product i there's you know, most blockbusters are put together this way now, but yeah. they manage to oftentimes be a little bit more coherent. Um, not all of them, you know, there's plenty that aren't. Um, the good ones manage to be a little more coherent, despite perhaps having eight screenwriters working on them. Uh, but here, you can kind of see the different colored pages. Do you think that Tom Noonan is too scary. Like, would you, like, would you show, like, do you think Charlie or Rosie would be scared by his face in this movie? I guess Charlie's a little old now. Yeah. Charlie's old enough. He was watching some of it with me because when Bridget Wilson came on, he said, wait, how do I know her? And I said, Billy Madison. He said, Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) Is that what he said? Uh, I believe he said that he wants to touch the hiney. Um, Touch. But he didn't say that because, despite being 12 years old, he shows zero interest in uh, girls or boys in that way. Um, Smart guy. I guess. (laughs) I mean, I'm okay with it. It's not like I'm worried about it, but it's just, it's it's interesting because it's not where I was at at 12 years old, you know? You were all about... uh... (laughs) Exactly. It's insert. <laughs> I'm not like scanning my brain. Like, oh, uh, who would it have been? Uh, I mean, not Bridget Wilson. Although I did have a Bridget Wilson phase, but that would have come later. Yeah, that age for me was it was all Michelle Pfeiffer and Batman Returns. That's interesting. That's... Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I never went through a Michelle Pfeiffer thing. This movie, even though was, she's uh... great. I mean, it's not. It's nothing against Michelle Pfeiffer. It's more a knock no, on no. me, but. Well, obviously. This movie, it was F. Murray Abraham for me. <laughs> it's really all about it's all about that Abraham. Um, yeah, that never comes to anything. You know, it's just there's all this <laughs> stuff in this movie. Remember, just... Patrick, remember when Danny DeVito plays a talking cat detective in this movie? <laughs> Which should be such a funny joke, but isn't. It's not. It's funny when it's funny in the in the office in the precinct when he when the the guy's there and he's like I'm pairing you up with the rabbi and the cop and the rabbi become partners and you're gonna be paired up with the cartoon cat and you're like okay I get it it's like you know where like cop movie tropes come from and stuff but yeah it really doesn't make any sense in the context of the movie no and then to bring him <laughs> back for another joke like yeah. That really doesn't work for me, at least. You know. Um, do you like the uh, Do you like the Lethal Weapon bit with the the two days to retirement or whatever? And there's a little musical sting. I mean, sure. You know, stuff like that. As an action movie fan, I can I can be down with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the joke about you know the whole scene in Blockbuster and where none of the right 
where are all the normal looking women, you know, all that stuff. I'm fine with that. It, it, there's all this stuff that I think is okay. It just doesn't add up to a movie that totally works for me and should, you know, because I love Schwarzenegger, especially at this time. Um, I mean, there should be more to that thought, but no, it's just that I love Schwarzenegger, <laughs> especially at this time. No, uh, well, at 12 years old, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's and, the answer to the uh, previous question. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I can be a sucker for like this kind of meta shit. Um, so on, on paper, I'm the audience for this movie. And for some reason it just doesn't come together for me. It's also, it's also because now this kind of shit is so much more prevalent. Like the internet is so. Oh my God. I I mean, like quick segue. I was watching something for panic fest and it starts and it's like this eighties synth music and it ends up being a movie that I really like, but when it starts and it's that 80s synth music, I think I just let out this big sigh and Erica just started laughing because it's just like, good God, enough already. You know, like, yeah. we get it. You grew up watching these movies, but like, there just has to be more to life than this. There has to be more than this. <laughs> but like today, I mean, obviously, you know, today, as we said before, even even just the the culture and, and is so much more like like to me, like I know not, you know, this is another movie you're not a fan of, but like Back to the Future 2, like to me, like when I was a kid learning about this stuff, learning about the way stories are constructed, the way movies are put together, the way um, movies all could, you know, exist in each other's universes and all these different things. Back to the Future 2 to me was such a huge thing. I was like, wait, he went back into the first movie and now there's a whole thread where he's you know in the in the other movie doing other things and you know i, I that's that the stuff me, i like in back to the future too i mean yeah that to me was such a you know as a young kid like the one of the reasons why you know i love this and t2 and, and like and the back to but i like both i like all three back to futures i guess but i actually watched i think i watched two the most because it was like it was it, it was like when I was a kid, it was like, well, this one has the first one in it and then also has this other stuff. You know, I was wrong, but I was a kid. Um, but that's that's the kind of stuff that stood out to me. So like when you say, you know, there's lots of little bits in this that I like, but don't add it to a movie. I totally agree. I don't think it adds up to a movie either. But the stuff that works in it to me just is just so, so effective for me as a person who takes a lot of pride in, you know, looking at these kinds of things as the, you know, the way we all do and everybody listening, anybody, if you're still listening to this, I know you're this kind of person, you know? <laughs> um, so I, so I think just for movie lovers in general, it's kind of, it kind of has so many moments that maybe now we take for granted, you know, maybe now it's just, you know, it's just, it's this, this kind of thing is everywhere. So we don't really pay as much attention to it, but at the time, I think, I mean, there was like purple Rose of Cairo, you know, which of course, no, now we can't talk about anymore either. And, <laughs> Although we probably couldn't talk about that movie when it came out either, right? But we just did. Right. Um, and, you know, other movies like that, you know, that that really got that kind of go into the movie sort of feel to it. But I, um, you know, if, 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 if the affection is emotional, then I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll, I'll take it. Are you a fan of um, The Final Girls? Um, let's see. I only saw it the once. And... I want to say yes. From what I remember, I am not going to be able to talk too much about it because I genuinely confuse the final girls and final girl. Cause I <laughs> and they both um, came out around the same time too, right? They both came out around the same time. Yeah. I remember being incredibly irritated by that. Um, 
But Final Girl is like a total Redbox movie, and <laughs> Final Girls is not. Final Girls is not. No, no, no. Yeah, no. So, so would you, would you, would you compare that favorably to this movie? Like you, you... Yeah, I mean that's why I brought it up because it's trying to do some of the same stuff. I think. I mean, you, I mean, then then it, you take the transition to Cabin in the Woods. Like Cabin in the Woods to me was like another instance of like, oh, this is last action hero shit. You know what I mean? Although, yeah, again, but Cabin in the Woods is well <laughs> true. <laughs> But I think Cabin in the Woods is kind of a masterpiece, and yes, 100%. I wouldn't say that about Last Action Hero, and I and I wouldn't say that about the Final Girls, even though I know there's a lot of people that really, really love it. Yeah, yeah, no, I I'm again, I only saw it the once, but just just recalling what I do, I remember. But but that was another one where like, because that was around the same time I saw like, um, what's the one about the serial, the documentary, the faux documentary about the serial killer, and they go to the, all go to the house at the end. Uh, Leslie Vernon, like behind the mask. Leslie behind the mask. Yeah, yeah. Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. You know, just kind of anything that's sort of along those lines. But um, I want to rewatch Final Girls again. Is that is that a Shutter? Is that on Shutter? I don't think it is, but I do think it might be streaming somewhere. Probably somewhere, right? Yeah. When um, I think of Final Girls, I tend to think of just like that one really great scene with Mel and Ackerman, and I don't think of I yeah, I don't really think of the rest of the movie. And the rest of the movie was kind of a mixed bag for me but yeah no i remember enjoying well because that was a really great uh not really great but lucy lawless is in that movie right so is she right isn't she in that movie? <laughs> i mean she might be but i don't remember her being in that movie maybe maybe i'm confusing her with other people i yeah. don't know i i thought she was in that movie. um maybe i think actually you know what hold on the character i'm thinking of is probably male Ackerman. i just realized they, <laughs> they do <laughs> especially when lucy lawless like, is blonde but yeah 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 um, but no, I, I genuinely, you know, like, you, you know, you mentioned about watching the Panic Fest movie. Like, I, I, I certainly don't think that we should be always leaning into stuff like this, you know, in terms of the, the kind of self-referential bullshit. And, and sometimes there's a place for it. Sometimes there's not. But I think I, I mean, I really think for me, Last Action Hero, seeing it when I did, you know, really did kind of solidify a lot of like just love like it was just you know a lot of that movie love gets solidified there because it really did teach me like it, it is you know it is okay to like like being a movie lover is a thing that you could be like right, it it, right. it wasn't it was a thing you know, it was like loving chess or football or whatever like it was like you could like there is a science here you could you could examine it invest in it dissect it it's not passive you know it's um it is something real and i think you know maybe i am that kid who you know jack slater uh, needs to be in the movies to inspire yeah. So take that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I like all the stuff of him sitting in the theater and looking up at the screen and I certainly identify with some of that. But when, you know, Robert Prosky at the end says, maybe the magic was you all along. I'm just like, I don't feel like we earned that. <laughs> you know, like... I mean, it's well, a fine thing for you to say, but uh... in, in, in the original script, it was maybe the violence is in you. Was it you all along? <laughs> <laughs> the theater explodes. Um, yeah. Anything else about this movie you want to say before we wrap it up? No, I don't think so. But I have a couple more things to say about Marvel movies. If you're into that. <laughs> sure. Let's save that. No, uh... I'll save that for next time. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, um, let's save it for after the music, you know, and then to be a bunch yeah. of like post credit <laughs> shit. But uh, anyway, thanks for talking about this movie yeah. with me and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, thank you for talking about all those things as well. And uh, remember, everyone, 
uh, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is a masterpiece. <laughs> Thank you guys very much for listening to this point. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> seriously thank you for listening this far because this, <laughs> this is really just me and my friend bullshitting <laughs> um, anyway uh, we'll see you guys next week thanks Rob thank you Thanks for listening to FS Movie.